My savings was so low that I remember I considered a flat tire an emergency. If my tire went flat, that meant I had to tap into my savings account. That is how broke I was, guys. You're listening to Building a Beauty Business, a show that explores how your favorite beauty pros started, scaled, and grew their business. We ask the questions you've been dying to get the answers to so that you too can start, scale, and grow your beauty business. I'm your host, Frida Brown. Let's get started. Welcome, guys, to the first episode. I am so excited to be here with you today. I am going to be 100% transparent and say that starting a podcast can be very scary and intimidating. But I also am honest enough to acknowledge that if something has been placed on your heart to do, then you should do it. Today, since it is the first episode, we are going to talk about how I got started in the beauty industry. I am originally from West Philadelphia. And like many people who grew up in my neighborhood, we did not have a lot of money. So things like going to the salon on a regular basis just weren't an option. My mother was always skilled at doing hair, and so oftentimes she would do my hair, and I loved it. It got to the point that I enjoyed having my hair done so much that I eventually picked up the skill of doing my own hair. If cousins came over, I would braid their hair, I would style their hair. I even went so far as learning how to use a straightening comb on my hair. Do you all remember straightening combs? There were metal combs that you literally placed in hot in a hot flame on the stove. You would then take it and you were supposed to temper it, if you will, with a towel and then comb your hair and it would straighten your hair. I didn't always do that. And so sometimes I would lose sections of hair in the process. But I learned a lot about doing my own hair. And over the years, doing hair just became something I enjoyed as a hobby. But it was never something I considered as a career. I finished high school. I went to college. And the plan was to pursue a career in business, finance, and accounting. And for the most part, that's exactly what I did immediately following college graduation. I got an amazing job right after high right after college. And I began work in my chosen career as a financial analyst. Things were going very well. Except for one thing. I was bored. Oh my goodness, I was so bored. I hated the idea that I would work all day and I would get one hour of freedom to eat lunch, maybe sit outside and enjoy the sun, maybe take a quick drive and run a few errands. And then it was back to the grind. I found the entire process absolutely boring. The idea that I got up at the same time and I wore this monkey suit, if you will. Boring. All of it was just boring to me. I made great money. I met some great people. But there was nothing fun about it. 
many of my friends from my undergraduate career lived in the Washington, D.C. area. So oftentimes, on Fridays after I left my boring job, I would come to the Washington, D.C. area for the weekend. And then I would head back to the Philadelphia, Delaware region, which is where I lived. And I would do my nine to five Monday through Friday. And on the weekends, I would rinse and repeat. One weekend, I decided I was not going to rinse and repeat. That I was going to move to the D.C. area. And so that's what I did. I didn't save up a ton of money. I didn't plot this for 6, 9, 12, 18 months. I put in an application for a transfer from the Philadelphia office of my job to the D.C. Virginia office of my job. It was approved. I found an apartment. And if I'm being honest, I want to say within 60 to 90 days, definitely less than six months, I had moved from Philadelphia to the Washington, D.C. area. Now, although my job in Philadelphia was boring, what it made up for in boredom was warmth and community. My manager, my direct report, my teammates, they were amazing. They were so warm and they were always extremely welcoming. In the D.C. office, not so much. I was already the only black girl in the Philadelphia office, or rather specifically the Delaware office. In D.C., oh my goodness, I was a complete anomaly. There were very few people, if any, that looked like me, that came from communities like I did. And my immediate supervisor, I believed, did not like me from the day we met. We did not hit it off. Things did not go well with us at all. She was not interested in this transfer. I got the vibe that she did not approve of it. Whatever the case, we did not get along. And I felt it. And that did something to me. Or at least it started to do something to me. Once I moved to D.C., I'd also made the decision that I wanted to lock my hair. You see, I had been wearing my hair loose, natural, for about a year or so, and I enjoyed it. But I had been really drawn to locks, and I wanted to do something different to my hair. I wanted to get locks. My then-boyfriend, now-husband, his best friend had locks, and he suggested a salon called the Dreadlock Shop. He said, you should go. Check it out. I think you'll like it. And so I did. After work one day, I went to the salon. I had a consultation, and I made an appointment to start my locks. Well, here's where it gets interesting. As I was leaving the salon, the owner offered me an opportunity to be a salon assistant. She said she had been looking for someone to help her out in the salon, and she liked my vibe. I'd never heard anyone say anything like my vibe. I didn't even really, I knew what it meant, but I didn't really know what it meant. I remember calling my best friend and asking her opinion, and she said, why not? See if she's serious. And so I went back the next day. And this woman was serious. She wanted to hire me as an assistant. And I suspect she realized I was serious because I was there. And so I began working as a part-time salon assistant, still maintaining my job as a financial analyst during the day. And what I came to realize after weeks and months was that I enjoyed working in the salon, hands down, much more than I enjoyed my nine to five. At this point, I think I was even put on probation if I'm being 100% transparent at my nine to five. 
guys, I did not like it. And they didn't like me. And so the probation at my nine to five was really, I believe, a way to inch me out. Getting the job as a salon assistant was an opportunity to do something that I really enjoyed, that I didn't even know I enjoyed as much as I did until I had the opportunity to do it on a regular basis. And so here I am working my nine to five, maintaining this part-time job. The part-time job inspired me so much that I decided to get my cosmetology license. And so I applied to cosmetology school, got accepted. And so now here I am with a nine to five. I am working part-time in a hair salon Sunday through Tuesday. And I am in cosmetology school nights and weekends, Wednesday through Saturday. This was before I was married, before I had children. And so I had the capacity to manage all of this. And it was working very well. Eventually, I quit my nine to five. You see, it wasn't working. It wasn't working at all. I didn't think they wanted me there. And I honestly didn't want to be there. And so I quit. And it was a tough situation because I was offended by the fact that I was being pushed out, or at least I felt like I was being pushed out. But I had to be honest with myself. Sometimes I think when we're in situations and we're being pushed out or we feel like we're being pushed out, it's someone else doing the heavy lifting that we don't have the courage to do. And when I look back on that situation, I have to acknowledge that I didn't need to be there. And being put on probation, it was a way to inch me out when I wasn't ready. So quitting was the best decision. So now I've quit my nine to five. I'm in school. I'm doubling down on my hours because you need 1,500 hours to complete a cosmetology license. And so instead of just going nights and weekends, I was also trying to figure out ways that I could go during the day. But I also knew that I had bills to pay. And I was in no position to be back in school full time. Something else that had been placed on my heart was a desire to control my income. When I worked in corporate, all of your raises and pay increases were decided by some old white man who you probably never met. And so it didn't matter how much work I put in, it didn't matter how much overtime I worked, whether or not I got a pay increase had nothing to do with my output. Eventually I got another nine to five job working in sales. This was it. I loved sales. Sales allowed me to have a direct correlation between my work and my income. The more I worked, the more results I bought in, the greater my income, and I excel. So now I am working as an account manager for a major radio network in the DC area during the day, and I'm in cosmetology school at night. I worked at this radio company for almost four years, and while I enjoyed my time there, eventually the desire to do something more came back. I finished cosmetology school in January of 2008. Maybe it was mid-spring. And I told everyone that once I finished cosmetology school, that I would become a full-time hairstylist. No clients, bad credit, zero savings. My savings was so low that I remember I considered a flat tire an emergency. If my tire went flat, that meant I had to tap into my savings account. That is how broke I was, guys. And yes, I just said that there was a direct output between my income and my work and all that. And still, my money management skills, my money management skills were piss poor. So I was bringing in good money, but I don't know where it was going. It definitely wasn't going to my bills and it definitely wasn't going to my savings. But I still wanted to leave another good job to pursue something else to pursue myself. I finished cosmetology school and just like I said I would, I quit another job. There's a pattern here. I will I would quit a job in a heart. I do not have parents who 
support me or supported me financially, all of my undergraduate education was paid for by the Department of Education, AKA student loans and grants. So I don't want you thinking that I had this charmed life and I could afford to keep quitting these jobs. Financially, I could not afford to keep quitting these jobs. And yet here we are, here we are. Once again, Frida is not working a nine to five. She's not making decent money, but I am pursuing the very thing that makes me happy, which is doing hair. I eventually get a job at a salon and at this point, I have stopped working part-time as a shop. My only job is working at this salon as an assistant. It's a completely different salon. I think I was making $7 an hour, if that. Definitely under $10 an hour, whatever minimum wage was at the time. Probably a little bit lower than that, if I'm being honest. My manager was this, felt like a tween, if I'm being completely candid. It was clear from day one that I had far more experience than he did from a business and managerial perspective. But you play your position. He was a manager, I was not. Eventually I took my state boards because finishing cosmetology school and taking your state boards are two completely separate events. Taking your state boards, as you all may know, some of you may not, is what allows you to become licensed. Once you're licensed, you can actually do hair. So I take my state boards, I'm doing hair, I'm working in this salon, I'm not making much money, my hours are crazy, but something in me tells me that this is the right path for me. At the end of 2008, one of my old colleagues from the original salon where I was an assistant, where I got my locks started, she called to tell me that she had been running the business and she was looking to transition, to, transition the business to someone else. She was working full-time as a physical therapist and part-time at the salon nights and weekends. You see, the salon had always been a night and weekend salon. It was never open every day, all day. Anyway, she wanted to transition ownership of the salon to someone else. And so she called me. And she knew how much I loved working at the salon. As a matter of fact, the only reason that I left the initial salon was because I wanted to work somewhere where I could do all hair types. I didn't just want to do natural hair. I wanted to learn how to do round brushing and blowouts and color services. And I knew I wasn't gonna get that working at the dreadlock shop, that I would only get that working at a salon that serviced a white clientele. I take her call and I consider her offer to come back to the dreadlock shop and take over ownership. But I was nervous. I was very nervous. At this point, it is Obama's first inauguration weekend. I'm on the bus headed down to the inauguration with my niece and I'm sharing with her this opportunity that had been presented to me. And she looks at me and she says, I think you should take it. I think you should leave Bubbles, which is the salon that I was working at at the time and go back to the dreadlock shop. I considered what she had to say. We talked about it a bit more. And in that moment, I decided to take a chance on myself. I decided that all these years I had spent working for these consulting companies and these radio companies and these staffing companies and in the capacity of accountants and financial analysts and accounts payable, that I had been taking a chance on everyone else except for myself. And I knew that if I was willing to put in that level of work for other organizations, the sky was the limit if I were willing to put in that level of work for myself. And so I did. 
I left Bubbles, and in January of 2009, I took over ownership of the Dreadlock Shop. I changed the name from the Dreadlock Shop to the Lock Shop because I felt that it was more suitable to who I was and what I wanted to do. The clientele, as I stated previously, was always nights and weekends. And so I sat down and I called every single client that had ever been to the shop because we had a paper Rolodex. Literally, we had three by five cards with everybody's name, phone number, and email address. I called every client that had ever set foot in the lock shop and let them know that I, Frida Brown, was the new owner. And if they wanted to come and get their hair done, they could do so any time of the day. I had nothing but space and opportunity. That was 14 years ago. In that time, the lock shop has grown tremendously. We are now a team of six. There's myself. We currently have three stylists and two assistants. We have since been featured in Allure magazine. I was recently interviewed for a local CBS affiliate. I spent the past six months co-hosting the Salon Frequency podcast. I moved from a 100 square foot salon space to a 650 square foot salon space. And keep your eyes on us because we might just be moving soon to an even larger space. I tell you this story because I want to set the foundation for what it looks like to build a beauty business. It does not happen overnight, but there is an opportunity to grow and build something that's so amazing and so phenomenal that you could not have fathomed what was ahead. I did not know that when I had a credit score of 200 or $100 saved, or that I was, when I was working alone and I had no one, I had no team. I did not know that I would now have a team of amazing women who I am allowed to work with and watch them grow and watch how successful they are and how much more successful they will continue to be. I had no idea that that was what lied ahead. But what I did know was that I was in this for the long haul. I knew that I was willing to take a chance on myself. As you join me for this show, I want to constantly remind you that there is no greater risk, there is no more rewarding thing you can do than to take a chance on yourself. Stick around as we talk to other beauty pros and find out their stories of how they got started. We'll listen to their wins, their losses, and we'll learn from their mistakes. We'll figure out how to grow your beauty business, how to start your beauty business, and more importantly, how to scale your beauty business. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next show.